danielbritt.com. I'm Daniel Britt, and if, if you've wanted to go into the mind of one of the best songwriters out there today, we've got him on the phone, and we'll try to dissect his brain and find out how he gets so creative, and, and it almost seems like at the drop of the hat can write a masterpiece of a song. We're talking to Woody Wright. Woody, thanks for taking time for us. Oh, Daniel, for a moment there, I thought you were talking about Gloria Gaither. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll talk about Gloria because you work so close with her. Maybe some of that's rubbed off. Oh, I hope so. She's a, she's a joy. It's good to be with you today. Thanks so much. Let's uh, let's go back to the beginning because if we're going to do this justice, if we're really going to find out who you are, we got to start uh, I probably at birth. Where where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in Cleveland, Tennessee, and um, lived there until I was three, and we made the move to Kingston, Tennessee, which is right where I-40 and I-75 cross each other, the uh, hillbilly crossroads, we call that. <laughs> and uh, I grew up there and went to school in Kingston and graduated from Roan County High School in, in the, let's just say, the 70s. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> was music part of your childhood? Oh, it was. I grew up, my dad was a singer and uh, guitar player, and he sang in a bluegrass band, and then he had a, a quartet that he sang with called the Dixie Airs that traveled all around our neck of the woods, and that's where the quartet bug bit me. Did, did you ever travel in a quartet? Oh, I did. I, as a matter of fact, I'd go and sing. They'd stand me up on a Coke crate, and I'd sing when uh, when they would sing. But um, in all through high school, I had a, my own group. With the humble name of the Woody Wright Singers. Woody Wright Singers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so for uh, for all my high school years, we traveled. Um, two girls and uh, and myself were the singers, and then mm-hmm. we had a three piece band. And Gary Prim was our piano player, who really? plays on uh, lots of uh, gospel projects these days and country country music as well. Mm-hmm. But we grew up together and uh, and traveled all over the South singing. Now, give me an idea of what the Woody Wright singers sounded like. Was it kind of like? Uh... Well, if you listen to the to the LPs that we made, it's kind of like the Chipmunks. Uh, <laughs> Al, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore is kind of what it sounds like when you listen to it these days. But we did songs from the Downings and the Oak Ridge Boys. They were the groups that we followed and right. tried to emulate, and we did their music. That was that was where we got our inspiration was from those two groups mostly. What kind of training did you have, other than your your dad being? And you said your dad was bluegrass, right? Well, he had a bluegrass band when I was very young, and uh, then he sang in the quartet when I was in elementary school. Okay. But um, formal training, I I didn't have any growing up. I sang in the youth choir at my church. We had a. It's an interesting. Uh, the church only had about three or four hundred folks, but uh, about a hundred of them were the youth choir, mm-hmm. and we were a touring choir, and we uh, traveled all over the South as well. But that was the uh, the closest thing to training I had growing up. But then when I went to college at um, Warner Southern College in Florida, I did receive some some vocal training and private voice. Mm-hmm. What instruments do you play? I know you play guitar. Yes, I'm a guitar player and I'm a uh, piano owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just play uh, other instruments enough to uh, make demo- demonstration recordings of my tunes. I play a little keyboard, a little bass, and I program a drum or two. Okay, yeah. And uh, when, when you write, do you use guitar mainly? Mostly guitar, yeah. yes. Uh, when you were growing up, did you ever think that you would be known um, 
especially uh, for your songwriting capabilities? You know, I always wrote songs when I was a teenager. I wrote a lot of songs, but the, what I tell people around is um, I wrote songs for, you know, probably 25 years, but I started making money writing songs <laughs> when I co-wrote with Bill Gaither. <laughs> and there is a difference, right? <laughs> it does make a difference. It surely does. I always wanted to write songs, so um, it's a blessing to to get to um, to do that uh, in a professional way. Now, songwriters tell me all the time that it's just inside and it just bubbles out. I mean, just it has to come out somewhere, and so you have to write. You get this idea, and it just has to come out. Is that is that as true? I mean, that sounds so cool, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a songwriter. It's partly true, Daniel. It's um, a lot of it is a, it's a craft. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the people say, "I wish I could write a song," and I always say, "Well, you can. All you have to do is just do it." And um, then Harlan Howard, the great country songwriter, told me, he said, "You have to write." At least 20 bad songs to get a good one. Yeah, yeah. And I think I find that to be true. The more you write, the more your mind is adjusted to do that, and you learn how to make words and melody marry. That's that's the key to successful songwriting. And I've heard Gaither say that so often. Hmm. It's when the lyric and the melody marry, and they are perfectly matched for each other, then you have a song that will last a long time. And you write both, right? I do. Yeah. I do. Um, I've been fortunate to uh, be on the musical side of many of Gloria Gaither and her daughter Suzanne's lyrics. Mm-hmm. That uh, really doesn't ever hurt because they're wonderful <laughs> lyricists, and I've been fortunate and blessed to be a part of those songs. Tell me about uh, Ponder Sykes and Wright in those days. Oh, Ponder Sykes and Wright, America's best kept secret. Yes, yes very much so. <laughs> That's what we call ourselves. Uh, we met in the 80s uh, as a part of uh, Willie Wynn's group. Willie was with the Oak Ridge Boys for 15 years, and then he started his own group called the Tennesseans. Mm-hmm. And we were all three members of that group. I was the lead singer, and um, oddly enough, David Ponder was the baritone singer, and Michael Sykes was the keyboard player. Okay. And we met there and uh, were goofing off at my house one day before a rehearsal and um, heard our harmony blend. And it took us about, I don't know, less than a week to go rent Ben Spears' recording studio and try to get some of that on tape. And it's been exciting. It's a it's a blend that's that's unique. And when you hear Ponder Sykes and Wright, you know it's them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, if you're familiar with us at all, then you know you know when you hear us. Sure. So we're if nothing else, we're identifiable. But it's been great to work with those guys. Michael is such a talented uh, musician and uh, producer, and David is a technical genius with uh, recording, and he's a fine singer as well. And they all write great songs, so it was a wonderful thing to, to travel with those guys, and I, I hope I get to do it again someday. Now, is it uh, is it accurate to say that all three of you um, have have the producer title? Uh, it is. Yeah, yes, I've you know I've been producing people for a long time. I did uh, a couple of projects for the Crab family back years ago and uh, uh, paid in full. I produced them. And Annie and Kelly McRae too, right? Annie and Kelly, I did their first recording. So I've been blessed to, to help some folks get started and I've um, been able to, like paid in full, we've done six or seven projects together. So they're they're doing great. Michael, of course, is a Fabulous producer. He's I call it a covey of doves he's got on his on his mantle. He's got more dove awards than I have coffee cups, I think. And uh David is a fine producer as well. He just finished uh, a new recording for, for Crossway. Yeah. So we're uh we're the producers, I suppose. Yeah, the the three producers, did, did that ever um 
I mean, I think that would be incredible for creativity, uh, for creativity's sake and, and accomplishing quite a sound. And you've done that with, with the trio. Uh, but did you ever have any butting of heads because of the clashing of ideas? Because you, know, you we, all had that. We that never did, Daniel. I, really, we are so like-minded. We were all raised in the same way by good Christian parents. David's folks were, dad was a, a minister and Michael's uh, grandfather was a minister and, my dad was a bluegrasser. So uh, <laughs> we were all like-minded in our musical and lyrical sure. um, aspirations. So it was just so smooth and fun to, to do the recordings that we did. Okay, so from Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, at one point, I mean, for most musicians, I think Nashville's kind of the mecca. So Nashville called you uh, to her door, right? Oh, as soon as I got out of high school, I enrolled in the University of Music Row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yep. is also known as the School of Hard Knocks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I I was consumed with music and I couldn't wait to get there and um I did take a, a break for about uh, 18 months and went to Florida and went to college for a little while, but I came running right back to Nashville and I wound up living there for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um working in studios as a musician and a singer and a producer. Do you ever wait tables or anything in between gigs or in You know between, what? I didn't, starting? Daniel. I was, I've always been blessed. I have always been able to do for a living what I'd gladly do for free, and that's make music. Mm-hmm. My brother's retired Air Force, and he said, I've always envied you. And I said, man, you've got a distinguished 20-year career in the Air Force. What are you talking about? He yeah. said, well, I've only done what people told me to do, and you've only done what you love. Wow. wow. So that's, that's certainly a blessing. So many years in Nashville, and then Alexandria, Indiana called. Uh, and, I mean, for most of us, there's only one thing in Alexandria, and that's the home of Bill and Gloria Gaither well, and their I headquarters. Well, I discovered that there's two things. Okay. There's there's Bill and Gloria Gaither, and there's a lo- the love of an excellent woman, my <laughs> darling wife, Bonnie. Um, Bonnie was married to Bill's brother, Dan, before um, he passed away in 2001. Uh-huh. And uh, I was on the road with Bill, and he said, "What have you ever met Vonnie? And I said, yes, I, I think I have. He said, you ever think you might want to have a cup of coffee with her sometime? And I thought, wow, sure, that'd be great. So we did, and we've been drinking coffee ever since. It's, uh, we're changing the name of the house to Maxwell House. That's right. It's been a really real blessing. She is uh, my helper and my partner and such a support that um, I just couldn't. Couldn't make it without her. She's wonderful. And how many years now you've been married? Three years. Three years. It was in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming up after the first of the year, we'll be working on a duet CD together. And you'll want to watch for that. Absolutely. And uh, give me your website. It's www.woodywright.net. And by the not, way, not dot com because that's an alarm salesman in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be get confused. Your uh, your moonlighting there. That's right. Dot net. But your initials are www, right? You know, I tried to get that as my website, yeah. but yeah. that just wouldn't go. <laughs> okay. Well, collaborating with the Gaithers. So, so uh, when did you meet? When did you meet Bill and Gloria and start working with them on this on the creative side? I suppose it was in about nineteen ninety. Well, let me think. 1994, um, I had been working in a country group called Matthews, Wright, and King. Well, I've got something for these three named groups. Yeah, right. But we recorded for Columbia Records and um, opened for Reba McIntyre for a couple of seasons. Huh. 
And after that was over, I needed a job, and my friend Michael Sykes said, hey, Bill is starting uh, a new record label um, and with a publishing arm. They need someone to operate their publishing arm of the record company. And that little company grew to be Spring Hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to work for them uh, in publishing then, and I got familiar with the well, I was already familiar with the catalog, but I was pitching Bill and Gloria's songs. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when we... I started working for them in the studios or doing demos and started singing on the homecoming videos as well. So that's when the uh, that relationship began. I'm going to take a side road just for a minute because that, that sounds like an awfully easy job, pitching Bill and Gloria songs. Now, you know what? You, it sounds easy. <laughs> that sounds like trying to give away a Cadillac to somebody, you know? And I got a few things recorded, but actually it was kind of hard because how do you follow the, the, the Gaither Trio or the mm-hmm. Gaither Vocal Band? Right. How do you right. follow those versions with your version of something that's been done? Yeah. And we tried to change them. And uh, actually, my goal was to get contemporary artists to record them. Yeah. But that didn't work out very well either. So <laughs> <laughs> we just started writing new songs and trying to write songs for the videos. And that's that's about the, the biggest accomplishment we had. And it turned out very well for all of us. And uh, the Spring Hill music label has really grown. And you mentioned contemporary music. I think there is an arm of Spring Hill that does contemporary um, uh, servicing to radio and, and publishing. But what did the what did it start? Did it start out as Chapel or it was me, Chapel? Yeah, it was interesting how that happened. Uh, they found out after all the uh, well, they cleared the name in uh, in Tennessee, but didn't know that somewhere out west there already was a Chapel music, and so. They had to change their name because it already existed, and um, that was sad. Mm. But it worked out okay. Spring Hill's doing just fine. That's right, yeah. Spring Hill and Spring House, can you you give me an idea of sort of the difference between the two? Uh, Spring Hill is is a label, and they also have a a gift division, which is instrumental music. Green Hill, Uh, right? Green Hill, and it's a company based out of Nashville. Uh, Spring House, on the other hand, is an entirely uh, operated label through the Gaither Company. Uh, they also have a Nashville office, but um, it is Bill's. Bill has partners in um, the Spring Hill mm-hmm. label. I think Mark Lowry's one, and I can't recall who else is is uh, our partners in Spring Hill. But Spring House is is Bill's label that has mostly homecoming artists on that label. So I guess after uh, taking that job uh, and you working closer and closer with Bill and Gloria and and the songwriting thing just sort of did it just sort of happen where where you you'd come up with a hook or they'd come up with a hook and you'd put music to it or uh... it did there were where it really started was when I had the catalog of all of Bill and Gloria's uh, material there were several songs that um, were lyric only uh-huh. and I was curious about those and I asked Gloria about them and she said well those are just ones that never quite made it and never got finished, and they're just sitting around. So I asked them to send them to me so I could look at them, and maybe I could hook them up with other writers or work on them myself or whatever. And, wow, there were some wonderful, wonderful ideas in there, one being a Dove Award nominee uh, now more than ever. Oh, yeah, it's a great vocal one. band recorded, and I couldn't believe that that was not already finished. Yeah. It was like a blessing in my lap. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so I, it instantly sang itself. I just picked up a guitar and just started to play and sing those words, and it was just beautiful. And it's probably my favorite Bill and Gloria co-write. 
That, uh, I mean, you can't beat because he lives and he touched me and the king is coming, but that has to be one of my favorites. I, I and that's one that, uh, I think may have been a surprise because it, uh, it kind of is different. I mean, it's got, and maybe that's thanks to you. It's kind of, kind of different sound to it than what we hear in a King is Coming or a He Touched Me song. It's a little different, uh, style, uh, melodically. It's got the temporary key change yeah. in the chorus. It, it's it kind of reminiscent of the old Jimmy Webb, Glenn Campbell song mm-hmm. to me. It's got that, that feeling. And then when they did their recording and put the Irish fiddle on there with that string section, it was just, wow. I still love it. And that was probably the first uh, radio release that really featured David Phelps. Yeah. So right. that didn't hurt it either. Right. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> when, when the What we call, when the machine sings it, he's the machine. Yeah, I tell you, the yeah, guy has, yeah. has got a fabulous voice. Well, I know uh, Gaither has worked with uh, Rick Powell through the years and, and Ron Huff. And I know Ben Spear is the music director for the videos and, yes. and, and on the tour. So uh, do you and Ben end up working uh, side by side a lot, sort of arranging different things for homecoming? You know, we really don't. Uh, Bill and Ben take care of that. They dig up. They have such a knowledge of the uh, the old Stamps Baxter style songs and the uh and they put those together, and they do the, the vocal arrangements, which are usually pretty close to exactly what was written, yeah. because they are realist and true, and they're true to the um, to the original uh, version. You know, if they're, they've said so many times, if it's if it's not broke, why do you fix it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but one interesting time was when we were putting songs together for um, um, the first, actually, the second batch of Christmas videos that Bill did. Bill and Ben and I sat in the Calypso restaurant in Nashville and wrote a song over lunch. <laughs> On napkins or what? Well, you know, we didn't have lyrics because we knew Gloria was going to oh, do okay. that. Yeah. We had the title, and so we just kind of did the da-da-da uh, melody together. And um, that's the most interesting place I've written a song is at Calypso Restaurant in Nashville. Did you get over, a, over a bowl of black beans. Yeah, yeah. Did you get a lot of funny looks from the wait staff? Well, actually, it's a pretty loud place, and it okay. kind of quietened down as we started singing harmony together. Yeah, I bet so. <laughs> well, tell me how. Uh, tell me about TNN and your time. Uh, you were doing backup singing uh, for one of the shows there, right? Right. Well, I was working at Spring Hill when that opportunity came up. Um, I was... Norman Holland had moved to Daywind as A&R director, so I took over the A&R position at Spring Hill. Okay. And then I got this call for an opportunity to audition as a background singer for the new primetime country show with was featuring Tom Wolpat at the time, and then mm-hmm. Gary Chapman came along later. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is the mid-90s or so? It was about uh, 96, 97, somewhere in there. Yeah. And... Um, uh, two friends of mine, Tony and Regina King, um, were there as well. So we sang together as a trio uh, at the audition. We really didn't think we had much of a chance because the original background group from the Music City Tonight show had auditioned. We thought surely they would they would mm. be a shoe in for the job because mm. they'd done it for so long. Sure. But we got the gig, and we were shocked. So I found myself with two really good jobs. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> And the show was an hour and a half show at the time, and sometimes we would have to do five or six songs, and I would have—I was the the leader of the section, and I would have to chart the vocal, vocals yeah. for the singers, and it took too much time, so I I had to um, resign from Spring Hill 
mm-hmm. to do that, which was pretty much a full-time right, job right. as a ranger for the background vocals. And it was amazing, Daniel, to get to sing with all these people, not only country artists, but gospel artists too, like Carmen and mm-hmm. Amy Grant and Kathy Tricoli and and all these. Uh, we even did background vocals with the Florida Boys. Wow. We backed wow. up Jake Hess and Terry Bradshaw yeah. all on a country show. But we also got to sing with people like Lou Rawls. Mm. And Tiny Tim, that mm. was an interesting day to <laughs> sing background vocals for Gypso through the tulips. That's right. <laughs> but uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to uh, be on TV every day and, and to sing with those wonderful artists from all kinds of music. Didn't Guy Penrod spend some time with TNN? He did. He did two, uh, I guess, both years. Oh, wait, it was longer than that, probably three or four years with. Uh, Charlie Chase and Laurie Ann Crook did Music City Tonight. And he was in that background vocal group when he was discovered by Bill Gaither. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Bill used to he used to wear a cowboy hat on that show. Uh-huh. And Bill used to say, I like the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda he subtle. called him the hat. Yeah, right, right. Well, uh, between the country artists that you work with, and you mentioned like Lou Rawls and great singers in the secular field and uh, in and you and you work with gospel artists, and you do that pri- uh, primarily now. Um, it's mainly gospel that you're in. What's the difference? I mean, obviously there's a message difference, but aside from that, um, what's the difference between personalities between country artist or secular artist and Christian artist? And, and having having stood in both worlds, so what do you mark down? Oddly enough, Daniel, I don't recall any real attitude difference. I mean. Um most of the folks that we worked with were very humble and normal, just like anyone else. And they got the jitters just as much as anyone else when the red light came on the camera. And, you know, you're all working together and you want it to be good. You want it to be the best it can be. Um, uh, for instance, Sam Moore that sang with Sam and Dave, mm-hmm. um, the great soul singer. He was as sweet as could be and always so friendly. And I'd got, I had to do the Dave part of a Sam and Dave song on one particular show and he was so gracious he came over to me when we finished the show and he said Woody you a better Dave than Dave (laughs) (laughs) everyone was uh, was was fun to work with I don't recall anyone that was hard to get along with so um, that in that way we're the same because especially in homecoming land we are all supportive of each other Mm. we want each other to hit the long ball and want everyone to be successful and uh, so maybe it's a musician thing. I don't know. The Calypso meeting that you talked about in Nashville, that was the beginning of a – we were working, putting some ideas together for a, for a Christmas taping. Was that the one in Birmingham? It was. And there um, were there were two two sets of videos that came out of, came out of Bur- the Birmingham taping. Right, A Time for Joy, yeah. which is a song that uh, Bill and Gloria and uh, Michael Sykes and myself wrote. Right. Right. And the other one was Christmas in the Country. Yep. And the four of us wrote that one, too. <laughs> it was <laughs> interesting how that came about because I was still working in the publishing company, and Bill called Michael Sykes and myself said, let's meet in your office. I've got some ideas. We're going to shoot a Christmas uh, video in Birmingham, and we need to write some songs. So we showed up, and Bill had just a book of titles that he was ready to write. And, Daniel, we wrote six songs mm-hmm. in uh, just a couple of afternoons. Uh, the melodies for six tunes that Gloria later put lyrics on, and so did Suzanne, uh, Bill and Gloria's daughter. So six of those tunes wound up on um, 
those two videos. That was really the beginning of understanding how royalties can be a wonderful thing after a Gaither shoot. <laughs> oh, I bet. But isn't that kind of backwards? I think most, especially when I mean, we've heard Bill and Gloria talk, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the lyrics come first and then the music, but you guys laid the bed for the music and then uh, let Gloria come and, and add the words after. On those particular songs, that's the way it worked. Bill had a title, and he had a basic idea of the tempo and attitude that he wanted right. for the tunes, and we pretty much did all of those tunes melody first. Yeah. And poor Gloria <laughs> and Suzanne had to <laughs> had to dig out from the hole that we had dug, but it worked out well, and the songs were um, were fitting, and um, I still sing them. Do you, uh, and this may get, I hope this is not boring to some people, but I, it's kind of a technical question when you're doing that. Do you have to, um, or, or do you actually lay out every syllable for every part of the lyric, or is it more or less just kind of a chord progression, and then when Gloria finds out what kind of uh, phrasing she wants to use or what kind of a poetic on line, and then you sort of add the individual beats? On those particular tunes, we pretty well boxed her into at least, I mean, <laughs> Maybe not every quarter and half note, yeah. But we certainly had all the chords and the melody direction together. So you know how sometimes hymns um, have a little different phrasing from verse to verse. Sure. Sometimes that happened, sure. and then when the artist got a hold of it and put their personal changes in there, yeah. it changed again. Yeah. But um, basically, on those songs, um, we boxed her in. Now, like more than ever, was a lyric already done, right? Right, and so then I, in turn, <laughs> had to put every syllable in the right place. Does that become difficult or challenging for you? No, I love that. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah, cool. Because normally uh, poetry, uh, lyric, has a cadence to it. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to put the uh, the melody. And, if, and normally the cadence is the same on the second verse as it is on the first. So I, I call myself the, uh, uh, well... I can't even remember what I call myself. <laughs> I take the idea and uh, run with it and um, try to say what they're they're wanting to say when I write a lyric. Yeah. Um, I kind of got off base there, didn't I? I hope you have your razor blade for oh, this tape. Uh, hey, that's okay. This. Sure, we will. We will do that. <laughs> and let me take a break real quick and ask you, uh, this is a list of Chris, what I think are Christmas songs. Some of these may not be. I was just going by titles from the CDs that I have. Uh, obviously, Christmas in the Country, Time for Joy, Come and See What's Happening in the Barn. And then I've got, um, it's Hope for the Ages, is that a Christmas? Yes, that's the Calypso okay. tune. Okay, right, okay. And then, um, uh, He Drew the Line is, is Christmas. What yes. about, what about Look on Down the Line? No. That's not, okay. That's not. And Listen to the Angels Singing? That is. That is, okay. Uh, any that I left off? Uh, um, the only other one is on the new uh, South Africa Christmas that I wrote by myself called Jesus is the King. Okay. All right. We'll start going down this list here, and, and we'll talk about some of these. So Christmas in the Country and A Time for Joy, those those were the um, uh, those were the video titles for the, the two Gaither Christmas videos, right? Yes. And uh, and these were all collaborations between between you and uh, did you say Michael Sykes? Michael Sykes and Bill Gaither. The the three of us yeah. wrote the music and Gloria supplied the wonderful lyrics. And uh, tell me about Hope for the Ages. Hope for the Ages. 
there's a song that that inspired that song. Um, we have always um, you, you get a song idea in your head that just haunts you, and that's the way this one was. This is kind of a call and response type chorus. But Bill had the idea, and he said, "I I've always enjoyed um, Beautiful Star of Bethlehem, and it's yeah. one of those songs yeah. that stays with you." And he said, if we could just write a song like that. So Hope of the Ages is similar to that song, and it's a 3-4 tempo. But that's the one where Bill and Ben and I took that little title, and Gloria had a few lyrics written. Uh, I think maybe the chorus lines were, were coming together for that idea. So Bill and Ben and I, over lunch at Calypso Restaurant, we're singing in three-quarter time, Hope of the Ages. And Ben and I were repeating, Jesus, the hope of the age. <laughs> Born into time in a matter of time. Oh, it was just crazy. <laughs> but we got it done, and Gloria put the finishing touches on it, and it's one of my favorites on the uh, the Christmas videos. It's just fun, and it, you find yourself whistling and singing it after you hear it. Uh uh, come and see what's happening in the barn. That has that, I've heard that in church uh, living Christmas tree specials and cantatas now. So that one really has become kind of a unique uh, Christmas uh, carol or, or, or song that we sing now. Uh, tell me how that came about. Oh, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. Wherever <laughs> I perform or do a concert, someone will generally come up and say, you're going to do that barn song, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. And I've done it in July and at outdoors concerts when everyone's hot and sweaty. But it's just a neat idea of uh, that uh, Bill and Gloria had. To um, it, it was a, it's got that country flavor to it. So when you start singing about a barn and you you think about Jesus being born in the stable, it's just the story of the innkeeper and all these these characters that that are giving their two cents worth about what's happening. And then the sky opens wide and the angels start singing. And it's just fun, fun. And it's it's thrilling to know that choirs across the country are now including it in their holiday um, Christmas programs. And um, that's been a good one. Do you ever perform in any uh, any Christmas uh, programs growing up as a child? Oh, every year. Yeah. I was my, my first time to be in a Christmas program. I was the little drummer boy. And that was probably the beginning of my my church singing career. Yeah. <laughs> What's some of your favorite memories from Christmas time that you can remember? Oh, I have the the greatest memory I have is when uh, my, I have two older brothers, and my parents would always let us open one gift from under the tree on Christmas Eve, and the others had to wait until Christmas Day. Okay. Yeah. One day, one year in particular, there was a large box that was to all three of us. And my dad said, now you can each open a small gift, but if the three of you want to get together and open that big one, then that'll be all three of your single yeah. gifts to open. Yeah, right, right. So we all got together and we thought it was a slot car track because we wanted to do that electric car track and that's what we had all asked for. We just <laughs> knew that's what it was because it was heavy and it was big. Yeah, right, right. So we opened that big box. We all got together and decided we'll, we'll give up our one gift for the big one. And we opened it, and it was a box of prefabricated fireplace logs. <laughs> and we had to wait until the next day to get our slot car track, which was in another smaller box. <laughs> so, so you had a fire that night? We did have a fire that night, and it was a nice one. <laughs> okay. I bet so. 
Well, uh, food and Christmas, they go hand in hand. Are you an eater? Oh, yes. We'd go to my grandmother's house, which was in Athens, Tennessee, about 30 miles from where we lived. And my mother had uh, uh, eight brothers and sisters. So by the time we all they all had kids, there would be probably, I don't know, 50, 75 people crammed into this small two-bedroom home. Right. And the food would take up one room. <laughs> and um, it was always a special time to be with cousins and aunts and uncles and just eating together and singing Christmas carols and celebrating the season together. Is there one particular uh, holiday food that uh, maybe you don't get as much anymore? Maybe maybe someone in your family used to make it that you that you remember at this time of the year? Well, there was always chicken and dumplings. Yeah, yeah you can't beat that. <laughs> well, I live in Indiana. They call them chicken and noodles up here. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're not big enough to be a bona fide hillbilly dumpling. Right, but, right. Uh, yeah. That was that was the favorite food. Listen to the Angels Singing was another Christmas uh, song. Uh, tell me, was that used on uh, on one of the Gaither videos? It was. It was, uh, I can't recall. It was either Time for Joy or Christmas. I think it was Christmas in the Country. And the Martins uh, sang that one. It's got a little different chord progression and um, got a little different beat to it. But um, the Martins really did a fabulous job. I I haven't been able to sing it since I heard them do it. <laughs> <laughs> there. Now that's got. I mean, writing for uh, for for all these different artists. I mean, working with Bill and Gloria, and then writing for all for all these talented people. That's got to be uh, as a songwriter to hear to hear your your babies out there being performed uh, by such great voices and in in such perfect harmony like that. The only thing better than seeing and hearing it on TV is to hear it on XM. There you go. There you go. <laughs> great quality. That's right. When you're on. When you're on satellite radio, man, that's the deal. <laughs> he drew the line. That's kind of got a uh, a nice. I mean, that's got a great place for a quartet bass to come in and show off. I love that oh, song. Oh yes, that was great. Mike Allen and Rex Nealon and George Yonts and all the bass singers got featured on that yeah. one. Plus, I got to sing the verses by myself. So uh, that was, that's right. That was my feature on the, the Christmas video. That was great. What did what did Bill and Gloria say? Well, you wrote so many. Why don't you come sing it? <laughs> well, you know what was funny was when when we pre-record these things, we we kind of put them in the key for certain people to sing. Yeah. And I recall being in the studio, and Ivan Parker was supposed to sing. He drew the line, <laughs> and I was supposed to sing. Come and see what's happening in the barn because it's a country style song. Right. And you know I could sing uh, Handel's Messiah, and it would sound somewhat bluegrass. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> but somehow in the planning and the uh, staging of the video, those songs got switched. So Ivan sang Come and See What's Happening in the Barn, yeah. and I had to sing He Drew the Line. The problem is the high note on the second verse is about a step and a half out of my range. Wow. So if you watch that closely, you see every vein in my neck poking out to hit that high note. But thankfully, I got to it and got through it. <laughs> now, when you perform that song in uh, in your own concert or when you're traveling with Stephen Hill, do uh, have you lowered it or do you still reach out and grab that high note? I'll have to be honest with you, Daniel. I don't sing that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was such a traumatic experience. I don't do that one anymore. <laughs> I do come and see what's happening in the barn and um, uh, Christmas in the country and time for joy. But I, uh, I don't, I don't attempt he drew the line. I should, should do it and let Steven hit the high note because he can do it. There you go. He could. And you guys are embarking on, is this your second year? Third year. Third year touring together. Third annual Spirit of 
Christmas tour, and a lot of these places are the third time we've been there. So that's, that's cool. Stephen said the other day, it lets us know we're doing something right when folks will have us come back again and again. Yeah. Now, obviously, Stephen has been well-known to homecoming friends. Um, did you meet him through a homecoming taping? Well, actually, we met um, doing background vocals on a project for Bruce Haynes. You remember Bruce mm-hmm. that did the Christian country songs? So we met in the studio there, and then like the next week, we were doing a, a pre-record for one of the Gaither videos, and he was there singing again. So that's we met working in the studio together. So what sparked the Christmas idea? Well, he called me three years ago, and he said, Hey, bud, would you be interested in doing a couple of weekends and putting together some Christmas songs for folks? He said, I've got a couple of people who are looking for me and maybe another homecoming artist or two to, to do some Christmas songs. So we started talking about it, and before we knew it, Daniel, we had 15 concerts wow. that first year. Then wow. last year we did, um, I think we did 14 concerts with a, a week in South Africa in the middle. <laughs> and then this year we we cut back just a little bit because we both got physically ill last year. We're doing 12 concerts this year. Okay. All from, right. Uh, everywhere from where well, we start in Indiana, we make our way to Florida, Louisiana, uh, South Carolina, and Virginia, West Virginia, Illinois. We're just – we got a dartboard and figured out where we wanted to work. <laughs> Not bad. Now, you said you got physically ill. Is anything serious? No, just fatigue and yeah. worn out and – Took a couple of weeks to get over. A <laughs> well, actually, it was trying to do all that along with a week in South Africa. Um, those plane trips were quite taxing. I mean, it was worth it and it was fun, sure, but sure. we tried to do a little too much last year. Yeah. Of course, this year in the middle, I've I've got to stop by Asheville, North Carolina, and do Mark Lowry's senior trip. That's true. Yeah, that's that's coming up in it. It is. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, Christmas. Songs as a songwriter or as a recording artist, looking at it either way, is it, uh, you know, it comes every year, and if you're kind of expected to have something fresh and new, how do you retell that that story of Christ's birth and the wise men and the star and the angels singing? How do you retell that in a new and fresh way? Well, part of the way that Stephen and I do it is we put new arrangements on old songs, like um, we have. Uh, an arrangement of Go Tell It on the Mountain that's unlike any I've ever heard. It's just happy and and bluesy and kind of reminiscent of a, a Naomi and Wine on a Judd recording. You know, it's sure. just very simple and and bluesy. But we do have these new songs that um, have not been overdone. Time mm-hmm. for Joy and Come and See What's Happening in the Barn. Of course, Stephen's got a new one this year called Look Who Just Checked In. Right, right. Into the barn, into the world, into the hearts of the boys and girls. It's just so much fun. So we have lots of fresh stuff that most people haven't heard. A lot of the Gaither fans have heard it, but a lot of the places we play are not all what we call Gaitherites. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus is the King, you told me that that was written for the African Christmas. The yes, South African. Um, yeah. Mike Allen, Stephen Hill, Reggie Smith, and I uh, did a little quartet on there, and it's another call and response. And uh, I wrote it for the African uh, taping. It's only got two chords in it, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it changes keys five times, and you get every yeah, every chord on the keyboard right, is in the right, song. Right. But technically, there's only it's a two chord song. Wow. Now, so uh, uh, I've heard some stories uh, aside from Christmas. Jeff Easter has told me about life is great and getting better. 
Somebody calls you and gives you an assignment, and then you have to go and produce this this blockbuster hit song. Yeah. Uh, how do you do it? How- oh, that was so easy. And that story, you know, that's just one of, of several like it. When Jeff called me and was talking about his new baby, and he said, yeah. I asked him how he was doing. He said, man, my life is so great. He said, I just wish I had a song that said how great my life was. I said, well, just keep talking. I'm going to write some things down and just tell me what's going on. So he just kept talking and I kept writing. And I said, tell you what, bud, let me let me hang up and I'll call you back in a few minutes. I was in Florida working at the time. So after I got off the phone with him, I just picked up the guitar and started looking at his thoughts and put them in some kind of cadence and rhyming form and started playing. And about 20 minutes after I'd hung up with him, I called him back and sang in the chorus of Life's Great and Getting Better. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> he said, That's exactly it. <laughs> so then I talked to Sherry to get um, lyrics for the verses and the bridge. Yeah, right. There you go. And uh, so is it co written by Sherry or is it uh, written uh, by. It's actually Jeff. Jeff, okay. Yeah. We gave Jeff the credit. There you go. Now, uh, is that kind of the reason maybe why you've got. So many Christmas songs to your credit, it, the, working with Bill and Gloria and, uh, and and Michael Sykes, and they sort of call and say, okay, we need something here. And and so you end up just getting a lot of these Christmas songs working on tapings or for whatever reason? Well, that was the, the, the brainstorm behind all of the um, – most of the uh, songs I've written for the Homecoming series was right. – those songs were specially made for the Christmas taping. Well, then when I would find out where the Homecoming friends were going – um, I'd try to write a song for that area, like um, Come to the River is the opening song on the Memphis Homecoming. And yeah. It's got that riverboat feel to it. That, sure, sure. And uh, it was it was a natural. And then we went to uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and uh, I wrote something for that. And then when the Homecoming friends went to uh, T.D. Jakes to do what was uh, called the black and white video, <laughs> where the uh, black church and the white church come together, I right. wrote the song Build a Bridge. Right, right. So I, I do call myself an assignment writer, and that's what I tell folks. They say, I need a song. I say, well, what do you want to say? Yeah. Call me up, let's talk. I and mean, what, What's going on in your life? What, what, what means the most to you right now? What are you, what are you trying to say? And, and thankfully, I've been able to do that. In New York, you wrote a couple for, uh, for Carnegie Hall, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Those were fun, too. I bet. God Loves New York City. And New York City, we've got a song for you. They were, they were just shoe ins. They couldn't resist them. It was great. <laughs> yeah, there's two of them there, and um, I I can't remember which one. Uh, one of them really, you could kind of hear. I don't know how you accomplished it because I don't know how to describe it, but it certainly has a New York sound to it. And uh, I don't know if there's maybe some effects in the music somewhere that kind of give you that that feeling. Well, when Mark sang uh, "God Really Loves New York City" and it had the the horns and the yeah. And clarinets and and all and the, it was it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. And Gloria just outdid herself with the lyric on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you need to write one for Atlanta. Uh, just go ahead and write it, and uh, and then Bill will have to come back to Atlanta and do another shoot here. You know, oddly <laughs> enough, Atlanta was my first videotaping. Really? And Dude. I had to sing the first line. That's right. <laughs> of, of I had to come out and sing Georgia on my mind. What? Did, uh, did, what, did I sing Georgia? Is that what I, no, I sang uh, No, yeah, you I did. did. Yeah, I think you did because Buddy was on the harmonica. That's right. Uh, that's right. I, I remember that now. There I, I was. And that was in 98, so that was uh, that was your first shoot? Your that was first... my first shoot. Wow. I was working for the company at that point. 
Great. But uh, that was my first videotaping, and I was thrilled because I was just thrilled to be there, and they put me up in a fine hotel. And, <laughs> and when I got to the concert, they handed me a check. I said, I, hey, I like this. <laughs> Not bad. And Lana Ranahan, I think, sang at that concert, and she has sort of been um, kind of one of these hidden voices. And uh, this question just popped into my head, so I will go with it, I guess. But uh, there's something – is it – Working with with Bill and Gloria, I know I talk about this a lot, but uh, is it something that draws the talent out or, or draws inspiration for uh, for finding new artists? Because she, as I understand it, was kind of just a behind the scenes person, and on oh, that she was a studio manager. <laughs> yeah, and, and on that Atlanta video, I think she came out and and did did a song, or at least for the concert people, they, uh, she sang a duet. Oh, she's fabulous! Yeah, what a talent, and. Um... Got that soprano thing going and a beautiful girl, so I love to hear Lana sing. Well, uh, back to Christmas. You get snow in Indiana, I do imagine. Yes, we do. I, I had to adjust to that. The first year I was here, we it snowed the week of Christmas, and we had white ground until almost Easter. Wow. Uh, <laughs> then the second year, we had an ice storm, and we lost power for 10 days. Wow. And I was beginning to question why the Lord had me move to the wilderness. <laughs> now, Bonnie was used to it, right? She was. Yeah. She would laugh at me because, you know, I Tennessee, it may snow once a year and it's gone by noon. Yeah, right. So right, um, that was the snow I was used to. But, boy, and it doesn't stop these folks. They know what they're doing and they drive in it. There's no hills here. So it's um, if you've got a front-wheel drive, you're okay. Now does uh, does she have family there in Indiana, or do you? She have does. To... Her mom you know, still lives over in Chesterfield, which is about ten miles from from where we live, and uh, we go to church over there in Chesterfield. And her brothers live in well, two of them live in uh, in Indianapolis, and another in Florida. What's ahead for your mission, uh, uh, either for the future or for the future of the Gaither organization and the part that you play with them? Well, I'm just writing songs. I, I tell people that uh, I write songs to support my singing habit because I do like to travel and sing as well. I did probably a hundred shows this year yeah. on the road, so I'm doing that. But I also lead worship at my church in Chesterfield, and we are in a building program, and we hope to be in our new facility sometime after the first of the year. So you're in the middle of a building program. Yes. You you know, if you died right now, they don't even ask you about Jesus or grace. They just say, you poured here, come on in. <laughs> That is a hard place to be. Well, and thankfully we're we've got a great crew and a fine Christian builder that's doing the work for us, and and we're excited. It's an exciting time. My, my wife and I were the chairs of the capital campaign to raise the money, so we we're just trying to get it spent and get it done. But I love my church, and and when I do travel, I, I wish there were two of me to um, so one could stay home and and enjoy that and. But, but I enjoy sharing with people all over the country as well. Uh, I've got two more questions about favorite songs. Uh, first, what's what's your favorite song, song that you wrote? And uh, and then think of a, maybe one of the coolest songs that you wished you had written. My favorite song that I wrote is, is on my uh, new CD. Is that a shameless plug or what? <laughs> um, it's called More Than Amazing. And We've what's the title of that amazing. CD? We've been singing Amazing Grace all our life, and, and it um, sometimes we don't even realize what we're singing. But the grace of God is so amazing in that it is it's one size fits all. 
and yet it's unique as a snowflake for each person. Yep. It's it's a miracle, and the lyric is it's unbelievable, and it truly is. But it's uh, but it's free and it's ours, and I'm uh, I'm thrilled to have it. So that's that's my favorite song that I wrote. Probably the song I wish I had written of all time is the love of God. Mm. It's an interesting when you ask a lot of gospel singers what their favorite song is. How many times that song comes up? Right, right. How rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. It's just the lyrics of those verses just paints a picture that you cannot resist. And the story behind that, uh, the, uh, was it the third verse of that song that they find it somewhere on a uh, a wall in an insane ins- asylum? Right. Yeah. Isn't that something? That's something else. Well, Woody, this has been so much fun and uh, to get to catch up with you and, and find out a little bit more about you. Every now and then we see you pop up there and you sing and, and oh, the John Denver song from Colorado. I mean, that, yeah. that how much fun was that? So. Well, when Bill called and said he wanted me to sing, I said, are you sure? I said, uh, that's not a gospel song. He said, what's not gospel about it? That's I right. Said, well, let me listen to it and I've come to find out he's right. And people all over the country have said, You'll never know what that song means to me because it's amazing how many folks, you know, folks that have been in the service, folks that travel, folks that are gone all the time. It doesn't matter where you go and what you get to see. It's still, there's nothing like coming home, and everybody wants to go home. So every time I come off a long trip, I walk in the back door singing that chorus to Bonnie. Hey, it's good to be back home again. <laughs> That's a fun one. and It really is. It's and good to me. Yep. So now we know more about Woody Wright, and if you want to know even more, there's a place online where you can go. It's WoodyWright.net. Dot net. Yeah, and uh, Woody Wright with a W. And, That's it. Um, and, and you'll find out all about the touring schedule and the new project. What's the new project titled? It's called Brand New Song. Okay. And uh, uh, the Stephen Hill Christmas date, do you think you'll be doing that in the future? Oh, yes. It's, keep, uh, keep that up, huh? It's a staple that'll be around a long time. That's cool. Well, Woody, thanks so much for taking time for us, and let's do it again soon. Thank you, Daniel. Enjoyed it. Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy New Year.